Roll tight, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, along with engineer-producer Mark Phillips at Airwave Studio in Birmingham, Alabama, and we're fired up because we finally get to focus on the fiercest feud in college football. And unless you just got back from the dark side of the moon, you know all about what's going down Saturday afternoon. It's on, y'all. It's time for the Tide and the Tigers to go toe-to-toe in the big show called the Iron Bowl, the game with a heavy metal name, like rock and roll that goes to 11 24-7, the annual November knockdown dragout that closes out the regular season. And another reason we're psyched up with the showdown is that if it goes the way we want it to, we'll be packing our bags for a big party in the Big Peach. But before we head for the Dome, we got business to take care of at home, so making plans for the throwdown in downtown Atlanta, we'll have to wait until that post-game rammer-jammer rings in the postseason for Bama and the off-season for the barn. Now, of course, in all the lead-up, the media is going to talk up how this rivalry stacks up with other traditional matchups, and it makes for good conversation, but only if you've never felt the heat from this conflagration. There's no other gridiron grudge game that fans the rivalry flame like this one because this thing's in full swing winter, summer, autumn, and spring. It's a live 365 and it's hotter than a $2 pistol. So even though it's been a rough year for our biggest regional rival, rest assured we'll get their best shot because they're sure to think if they can find their big boy pants, they got a chance to shock the world. But by the time we're eating dinner watching Sports Center, the whole country will be learning what it's like to watch a barn dance turning into a barn burning. Now, Army Navy's not. Michigan, Ohio State's great, and Texas, Oklahoma is okay. But any real college football fans got to agree that the Iron Bowls must see TV. Now, this game goes way back. Alabama leads the series with 41 wins against 34 losses and one tie. The first game was played on February 22, 1893 in Birmingham at Lakeview Park in front of 446 fans, a crowd about the size you'd see at a UAB game. Auburn was actually called the Agricultural and Mechanical College of Alabama back then, but in any event, after a dispute over expenses, the series was suspended after the 1907 game. Now, over the next 41 years, Alabama, of course, became the flagship football program of the South, making several appearances in the Rose Bowl, winning national championships, and claiming the first of its record 22 SEC titles when the conference was formed in 1933. When the state legislature threatened to withhold funding unless they started playing again, the two school presidents hashed out the details, and the series was resumed in 1948. What most people don't know is that games had actually been played at West End Park and the fairgrounds before it was moved from Lakeview Park to Legion Field because the old gray lady on Graymont was the biggest stadium in the state at the time with 44,000 seats. There were also two games played in Montgomery in the 1890s, so the series actually been played in seven different sites. Now, of course, both schools have lots of traditions. Alabama has an elephant named Big Al. Auburn has a tiger named Aubie and an eagle named Tiger. Now, the eagle plays a prominent part in their pregame pageantry when it entertains Tiger fans by swooping down from the upper deck and landing on the field. It entertains Tide fans when it swoops down from the upper deck and crashes into a skybox window. Alabama says roll tide, and Auburn has that thing they say. Uh, They also have a cheer that includes the phrase, weagle, weagle, and we don't know what it means, but some have surmised that because they're known for their veterinary school, it may have something to do with animal husbandry, but we're really not sure we want to know. A&M College of Alabama changed its name to Alabama Polytechnic Institute later in the 20th century, and finally, in 1960, the powers that be, in a stunning display of imagination, chose to name the university in Auburn, Auburn University. 
After years of playing the game in Birmingham, the schools went to a home-and-home on-campus format that gives sociopaths on both sides all sorts of opportunities to express their inner idiot. The ODK Sportsmanship Award is presented to the winning team during halftime at the Alabama-Auburn basketball game every year, with the SGA president of the losing side having to sing the winning team's fight song. This ritualized public humiliation falls only slightly short of the sort gladiators suffered when Caesar gave the thumbs-down signal, but it's a spectacle that's especially savored by supporters of the winning side. In the name of sportsmanship, of course. And by the way, it's been 10 years now since a former Auburn AD made a speech that claimed they were taking over and that our children would all go to Auburn and we wouldn't be able to sleep at night worrying about it because they're coming after us. Well, 10 years have passed since that piece found its place on the shelves next to Das Kapital and Mein Kampf. Now, I'm not comparing it to Hitler and the Nazis, not at all, mainly because it reads more like Jerry Lewis than C.S. Lewis. But since that purple prose was imposed on the public, we've won two more national championships in football, national championships in three other sports, added another 10,000 seats to the stadium. The game day experience continues to explode. The campus is bigger and better than ever, and student enrollment is up to over 33 thousand. The university, its programs, and its people have never been more connected and committed to excellence on the field and in the classrooms, so rumors of our death and demise have been greatly exaggerated. But if, like you say, you're coming after us, then we'll try to somehow summon the courage to show up Saturday. In the meantime, we're glad to have a guy drop by that's been here before that knows all about these Iron Bowl battles, because he played in four of them. Baron Huber, it's good to have you back in the house, man. Glad to be back, guys. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me. It's a big week here. I'm telling you, man. And man, what a weekend. We get back on track winning big on a beautiful day at Bryant Denny. Then we get to sit back and watch Oregon and Kansas State go down. Twitter was going off like popcorn, and Facebook was on fire. Did you get to watch this stuff, man? I, I watched both games simultaneously. I was actually in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. So I was going down there. the The casino was cold, but the but the bar and the TVs were hot. So oh, I, I enjoyed watching it. it. Made me feel good for the money I lost. Oh man, it was great watching the YouTube uh, videos of what was going down on the strip in Tuscaloosa. I mean, it was like New Year's Eve in there. Oh, I tell you what, I've seen the one after the LSU game, and I've seen the one after this weekend, and I have a hard time watching them and not getting choked up. I really do. Oh man, it's and it's too much fun. I think it just speaks to to the the passion that is around Alabama football, and you know, you mentioned how much the school has grown in the last 10, 15 years. And uh, I, I don't think we've ever all been on the same page like we are now. And uh, it's 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 interesting to, to watch it and see what it was when I first got there and then see the university as it is now. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a special thing to be a part of. I'm in sales, and if you don't have a good product, you can't sell it. And right now there's not a better product out there than the University of Alabama. Well, you know, again, we got 101,000 seats in a stadium, and we've still got a waiting list for season tickets. That tells you a whole lot right there. But, you know, the, I think all that excitement was kind of the slingshot effect because, you know, it's too bad so many people seem to feel like all was lost after that A&M game, but it's still all out there to play for. You know, we run into a good team with one really great player, but nobody wins all their games all the time. And as we've got a, and we've got as good a shot as anybody as long as we keep winning. What was your take on the A and M game? Well, here's what I really do think. Just cutting down to brass tacks, the weekend before we really should have lost at LSU. I thought we played really, really bad. Um, I thought we really played tight. I thought we played not to lose instead of playing to win, and we won that game. We persevered. We had the perfect play call at the end of the game, a screen pass. Uh, that, that got us in the end zone from the 28-yard line. Perfect play, perfectly executed. We win the game, We win the game, and everybody's excited. Yeah. Uh, the next week, I thought we came out and played a little bit tight again, almost almost uninterested. 
And uh, you know what? The break evened out. We really probably should have won that game. Outside of the first quarter, we came back. I thought we played extremely well. We had a chance to win it at the end of the game. Play calling was a little bit suspect, but you know what? The break evened out. And uh, I'm just thankful that we have a, a chance to play for the national championship now. Yeah, it, you know, it's uh, and, and with the LSU game, there were so many things going against us. I mean, LSU had the uh, largest crowd in the history of the stadium, the record crowd ever. They'd had a Saturday off to prepare for us. Uh, they had the uh, intangibles in the uh, the intensity of wanting to get back at us from being humiliated last January in New Orleans. So, you know, it was a perfect storm for us to go in there and get beat, but we did manage to make the plays to get out of there with a win. It was amazing. And again, like you say, I, I thought the same thing. I mean, obviously the first quarter against A&M was, was a, uh, a storm, like Coach Saban likes to say. Sure. But from the second quarter on, we outscored them, what, 20, uh, 24 to 9. We just didn't, we just didn't get in the end zone when we we're down there at the end. So, but A&M's a good team. And, and let's face it, that quarterback's a heck of a player. And we won't be the last team that has, has a problem with A&M. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in the moment with all that went down that night and forget that we've got a lot of business to take care of. If we don't beat Auburn, everything everybody's talking about never happens. And there's no question we'll get their best shot. What's the coaching staff going to do this week to try to keep the focus where it needs to be to win this game? Well, I was really imp- impressed to hear last weekend and coach uh, last week, last Monday during his press conference, for him to say, um, you know, we're going to move forward. He kind of gave his, his same old song and dance. And then later in that week during an interview, he had mentioned that he was really impressed with how the team had grasped uh, the game plan for Western Carolina. And he actually said they had a good week of practice, which you rarely hear. So that kind of told me that the team looked at it and said, guys, That's good news. we've lost. It's time to, to buckle down. And they did. And, uh, you know, I, I think you get caught up in, you know, wins and losses. It's really not about that. It's about the preparedness. And we have the best coach in the in the in the country to get the team prepared. And I get I get real tight jawed because, you know, I, I'm a process guy. I bought into the process. There that's how we that's how we won it in 09. Uh, I look at my life as a process now and uh I get real tight jawed when I hear Alabama fans talking about Miami. There was a lot of meat left on that bone still. And Saturday night is is a prime example. This is our biggest rival. Period. Our biggest rival. And for people not to be talking about the Iron Bowl and beating Auburn this week, I mean, really, I'm telling you, it, it, it fires me up because I want to enjoy thoroughly putting as many points on Auburn as we can. Come on. I mean, I can't. Come on. You see my face now. It's starting to get red. <laughs> let's go. If I could stand up here, I would. Man, let's go get our ankles taped. <laughs> That's it. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, let's just worry about beating Auburn and then let's worry about beating Georgia and then let's move on to somewhere else. But, you know, let's take this one, one game at a time. Coach Saban, when he first came here, said we were all going to be a part of this. And so being a part of it, as a fan now, my end of the bargain is to worry about Auburn and doing the best I can as a fan to be there Saturday and worry about beating Auburn instead of looking down the road. So that's my challenge to the Alabama fans out there. You said you wanted to buy into what he, what he was selling. You bought into it. Now it's time to hold up your end of the ball. It's time to reach for your wallet. That's it. There you go. You know, and Baron, I'm 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 getting off in hearing you say that because you grew up in Tennessee. You knew about that rivalry though, with the rivalry with those folks up there, but it's different out down here because these people are next door neighbors. Oh, I agree. I tell people this all the time because Tennessee fans, when I go home, they want to know about the Iron Bowl. I said, well. They I don't think, have anything like it. No, they don't. They don't. I mean, they have Vanderbilt, which after this weekend might become <laughs> <laughs> might become their Iron Bowl, but. I tell him, I said, I feel like there's a good, good, clean hate between Tennessee and Alabama, and there's just a really big disrespect between Alabama and Auburn. For me, the the game, 
I, I knew how important it was when I used to go home for Thanksgiving. It's my personal. first three or four years. This was when they were doing the fear of the thumb deal and had all the fingers up. I had an Alabama sticker on the back of my car, and there wasn't very many Auburn fans that I passed on the way heading north to Knoxville that didn't either give me the thumb or give me the fingers. And when I'd get home, I'd be so tight-jawed. I told Dad, I said, I hope, I hope next year I would take losing to Tennessee to beat Auburn. Because the first couple of years I was there, we didn't beat them. And uh, the first year we did beat them, we beat them 36 to nothing in Bryant-Denny. And that was Tuberville's last year. So I, I, I really I dislike Auburn about as much as you can dislike somebody, and I don't have a whole lot of respect for them either. Well, I, I know what you're talking about, and and again, you know, this, it, it's a, it, it really, unfortunately, in some ways, it becomes more of a personal thing because, uh, you, you like I say, your neighbors, the people you go to church with, the people that you hang out with, that you, you run into at the grocery store, you know, they're right there. We're right here in the midst. This rivalry is like we were saying a minute ago. It's three sixty five, twenty four seven. Unless you just go to Australia, you don't get a break from it. Uh, and speaking of traveling, you know, I was coming back from a trip to Seattle. Oh, uh, last summer, more in a Bama t-shirt coming through the airport. I got three roll tides before, from the time I got out of the car to got on, to getting on the plane, got three roll tides. And then a guy comes down the center, center aisle of the plane, looking for a seat with a 2009 national championship, uh, polo shirt on it. We just, we just fist bumped, didn't even say anything, just smiled in a fist bump. And this is in Seattle, you know, so it's, uh, but I heard not one word about any other school. But you got to go that far away to get away from it. Oh, it's big. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's the passion. That's what I'm saying. Now more than ever, I think Alabama as a family, the Alabama family, university alumni, fans, players, coaches, uh, are are really feeling a sense of of not, not entitlement, not, oneness. What's the word? Yeah, oneness. I mean, you can you can really tell that everybody's on the same page. Well, and it's it starts at the top with leadership, and we know what strong leadership looks like and feels like and sounds like around here, and we had it for a long, long time. I'm a lot older than you do, so this is my second era of going through a place where we've got the best coach in the country. We sure do. Yeah, and and, and, uh, and the, then the periods you go through where the leadership isn't quite as strong or as consistent and there's turnover and change, it's not going to be as solid. And we know what that feels like too. And that's why uh, it's important to me uh, to try to express appreciation and thankfulness for what we've got now. Because uh, this is the fifth year in a row we've had uh, a 10-win season. Uh, we just set a record for 58 wins in a five-year period. That's an SEC all-time record. So we're right where we need to be. We're in the mix of the middle of it, the national championship hunt, the conference championship hunt. Uh, that's where we need to be all the time. As a matter of fact, when you stop and think about it, we've got four championships that we're looking at right now with potentially only three games left to play, and that's the state championship, which also means we'll cinch the Western Division championship then we go to Atlanta with a chance to win the SEC championship. And if we win in Atlanta, there's a chance for number 15. So we got, there's everything in the world to play for. And, the, and, and there's not going to be many teams that are going to go through this season without a loss. And if, and if one of them does, we'll probably wind up playing them. If, if things go the way we want them to. Now, you know, you practice when you're on the team, you prepare, you work out, you hear the older guys talk about the iron bolt, but does all that really get you ready for what it's like to dress out and run out of the tunnel for this game? Now, you're going to hear the coaches and the players talk all week. This is going to be another week, another game. <laughs> Auburn's had a terrible season. They've only won three games, and they're lucky to win that. But I'm going to tell you right now, whether whatever the score is, whatever the record is, 
the Iron Bowl week is a different week. There is just something different about it. You can go anywhere. You know, when Georgia and Georgia Tech play, they'll tell you it's a different week. It's when you're playing your rival, especially in state, there is just a different feel about it. I've played in uh, Jordan Hare and I've played in Bryant Denny. I've won and lost, you know, in both of them. And uh, it's a, uh, it is a big, big game. I, I wish I could, there's probably several words I'd like to say about it. It's a family yeah, show. Yeah, it's a family show, though. We'll talk it's, later. It's a big one. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when you're working out in the offseason, you know, you're going through the fourth quarter program and two a days. Does keeping this game in mind help you climb those offseason mountains? Absolutely. You know, coach really does do a good job of just working on the preparation. You know, when you're out there, we're not running today to beat Auburn. We're not doing this to beat Tennessee. We're not doing it to beat LSU. We're doing it because this is what's going to make us better to help us win. But every once in a while, you'll hear something when the when the when the uh, momentum starts kind of going down, or people start getting tired. You'll hear something come out about Auburn, and that always that always brings it back up. Well, uh, you know, Coach Saban's all about consistency. You know that it's about who we are than rather rather than who we're playing. But it's hard to imagine the practice and preparation for the Iron Bowl being exactly the same. Just like you're just like you're talking about right now. What was Iron Bowl week like for you guys in terms of that intensity? Just the, I mean, from minute to minute, you're doing drills, you're warming up, you're going, you know, scrimmage it. Whatever you do to prepare, can you see that difference in the coaches? No, you don't because they're professionals. Uh, they, they've really gotten this down pat. And you got a lot of coaches on there that have played in these games. So they probably even, have to work at hiding it. Yeah, they, they really do. I mean, they know that it's a big game. They know it's a big game for their livelihood. You know, you lose you lose this one in the coaching, it's, it, it gets it gets real dicey. I mean, last Tommy Tuberville, you know. Yeah, paychecks he wins count. Six, yeah, he wins six in a row and loses two, and then he's out. But – uh, the players can def you can definitely tell it is a little bit of a different week with Thanksgiving being on Thursday, so you know you get off you get off school uh, Thursday and Friday, so it does interrupt the flow of what a normal practice week looks like. Uh, but Coach Saban does a good job of keeping it just keeping it basic. Well, know? I would think too, by by this time in the year, from a just a purely physical standpoint, it's not a bad thing to have a little more time to to rest a little bit, prop your feet up, get off your feet a little bit more this week. Because uh, it's got a, you know, the pounding you guys go through, uh, through 11, 10, 11 games leading up to this is, that builds up a pretty good bit, I would imagine. Well, they've been going since the first Wednesday of, in August. Yeah. So it's, it's been a long, it's been a long road. You've been at it four months. Four months. And you know, your body only has so many hits in it. I heard a coach say that one time and I, I kind of chuckled and I was younger and didn't really think about it. But now, you know, I look back at it and he, he's absolutely right. Your body can only take so much. Everybody's body is different. Some can take more, some can take less. And uh, they do a really good job of keeping uh, keeping the right kind of foods in you, keeping the right kind of rest in you. Um, you know, the treatment uh, in the weight room. I mean, in the, in the rehabilitation room. You know, keeping you rehabbed and and keeping you healthy. That's the big part of it. You know, when you're mentally not feeling well, it's hard for you to focus when you're in meetings. You know, when you're thinking about how much your back and your your neck or your your knees yeah. hurting, you're thinking about that. Versus thinking about what the game plan is. So they do a really good job of keeping that mind clear so you can learn. And so you're always 100% mentally bought into either the meeting, the practice, or your rehab. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, you played kind of a hybrid position, that H-back, fullback, tight end combo kind of thing, which I think is really cool. Uh, and you did a lot of shifting, a lot of motion, a lot of movement pre-snap. It's real obvious that plays a huge part in play design. Uh, you could probably see the defense watching and adjusting to your positioning on almost every play. Was it, was it as much fun to play that position as it looks like it would be? 
Well, it is a lot of fun. I'll be honest. When you're out there and you're running, uh, you know, 10, 10, 12 play drive and you're having to do that motion, it does kind of wear you <laughs> It wears you out a little bit. That's a little extra movement than you, that you're not used to. Uh, but the reason why they do that motion is you come out and you line up in a, like a strong tight end position where you got a tight end and like a wing, like say to the right. And what the defense does is they set their best running, um, run stopping defensive end or linebacker to that strong position. Well, when you switch and you switch it over to the left, do you know that that's their weaker run-stopping defense is being played on the left? All so right. you're putting them at a mismatch. That's why you'll see sometimes the defenders run in motion with the offensive guys because they want to put their best run-stoppers against your best run-blockers and vice versa. So it puts and it puts them in a mismatch personnel-wise. So that's why you see all that movement. Coach Saban, when we first got there, we played a lot of fullback, played a lot of broken eye, which is when I played a lot. And then he wanted to go to the two tight end system because he knew how much pressure that movement put on a defense to adjust. And you know, it's so funny. Gary did. Danielson was mentioning, this has been several weeks ago, that a lot of people will sit back and say, oh, Alabama runs a simple vanilla offense. And he says, but the way we use two and three tight ends and the way we interchange and the H-back and the way we move those people around creates all sorts of complicated matchup problems for the defense and that it's actually very sophisticated. It is. It looks basic because the formations aren't anything really fancy. I mean, you know, you watch an Oregon game or a Pac-12 game, even a Big 12 game, and you'll see some pretty cute formations and stuff that you haven't seen. This looks pretty basic, but what the pers- the personnel that's out there is really is is the mind game, the chess match that's going on. Well, I, I noticed the other day at the Western Carolina game on the first offensive play from scrimmage, we came out with two tights. One back, straight, you know, behind the quarterback, two wide outs. And I'm sitting there thinking this is – and I think I've heard Coach Saban say that's kind of their favorite base formation. Uh, that's kind of their, their base personnel grouping. You know, I'm thinking this is this is really cool because what they're doing here is saying to Western Carolina, okay, here's page one of our playbook. We're going to see what you can do with it. And that's what they did, and that's what they should have done. I mean, when you're playing a team that, that's lesser matched, um, you line up and you say, hey, we're, we're not going to do anything special. We're going to run what we run. We got better players than you do. We'll run it until you stop it. And I hope that's what we do Saturday. We got better players. I want to make them quit. I want to I want to literally see Auburn quit. Physically, mentally, I want to see them throw in the towel. We have the players to do it. We have the coaches to do it. And there wouldn't be a better year than this year to just absolutely see them walk out of Bryant-Denny demoralized. Well, you can count me on board with that wish. Hey, you know, if uh, with the way our offense moves around, moves people around so much pre-snap. Can you tell early on in a game if a team's, like the things we were just talking about, really prepared for to recognize it and adapt to it and deal with it? Well, here's the other thing that's unique about the Iron Ball. At this point, you've had 12 weeks of film to watch on somebody or 11 uh, weeks of yeah. film. So you're not really going to get a whole lot of uh, things that you're not prepared for. You've seen just about everything that, that each team We've ran. And you know tendencies. So you know tendencies. You got a good tendency breakdown. You got a good uh, personnel breakdown. And so it's tough to trick them. You know what they want to do in certain situations. Correct. Generally. Correct. And that would probably make it easier for, I would think it would make it easier for the underdog just because they, they they have the element of surprises taken away from them. But it comes down to one thing. doesn't matter if you know what's coming or not. If you execute the way, if you execute the play the proper way, um, you know, every play is designed to score a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, they don't design them to not score. So, uh, Although the fans sometimes seem to think that. Right. Why don't they call the plays that work? Well, if they all worked, we'd all we'd <laughs> score every time. 
But, you know, if if you execute, it, it really doesn't matter. That's what it comes down to. Especially late in the year, it comes down to ex- execution. Okay, now, kind of like what we've just been talking about. Let's have a little fun with it. Okay, you get a phone call. It's Coach Saban. Baron, I want you to put together the offensive game plan for Saturday. What are the strengths we have um, – taking into account our strengths that you see us having and whatever you've seen of Auburn as re- relative to their weaknesses, what kind of game plan are you putting together? Well, I like I like our offensive line. That's the strength of our team, in my opinion, our offensive line. Um, when you have a good, powerful offensive line, it's really easy to dictate the flow of a game. Time of possession, to me, is my favorite, my favorite stat. Because if you own that time of possession – You've kept, if they have a good offensive team, you've kept them off the field and you've kept that defense out there. And if they don't have depth like Auburn because they've 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 had so many people either leave, get kicked off the team, quit. They're one all, deep. They're, they're one deep. So to me, my game plan would be to run it hard and run it often and then build a play-action pass off of that deep with Cooper or Kenny Bell. But A number one, my key stat for the game would be time of possession. My second stat would be rushing yards, and then the third would be would be turnovers. And I would I would build such a strong running game, and and build your play action pass off of that. But first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to come out and I'm going to run it right down your throat. Period. Let's see if you can stop. That's, That's it. Let's see if you can stop it. I got sixty my, minutes, bud. I got my eleven versus your eleven, and if you think you can stop us, then we'll find out. Hey, you know, um, I, I think we get everybody's best shot every week, and I and I think in fairness, and and even trying for anybody to be objective, I think they have to agree with that. But this game's a whole nother thing. How does how does playing in this one compare to other games you played in from an intensity standpoint from from the first snap to the last snap? It, you can tell it's you can tell it's different when you go into the stadium. There's definitely more an electric yeah. atmosphere. The first Iron Bowl I ever came to, I was recruiting in 2005. Actually, would have been 2004. And uh, I came down with my two grandparents and my dad, and uh, I was on the field before the game. And I turned around and said, "You can tell that this is a big game. This is the first one I ever been to." And they all said the same thing. You can definitely tell that there's something different just in pregame warm-ups. You know, I was going to ask you about that. One of the questions I had made a mental note to ask you, because I do this myself, you get to the game, you're sitting there, and especially in your case, because you know a lot of the guys, still know a lot of the guys on the team. Absolutely. And you've played against guys at Auburn. You walk in, uh, you sit down, you take your seat, and you're watching warm-ups. And I always watch warm-ups. Can you, can you tell from the body language of the two teams who – who may be more ready to play? I have. I, I try to do that. I really do, and I've I've prescribed to that theory sometimes, and sometimes I haven't. Overall, you really can't tell because there were times that we would warm up, and we didn't look very good, and we came out and we absolutely dominated. And there were times that we came out and we warmed up, and I was thinking, man, we look quick, fast. We, you know, I know we're prepared. And we came out and we were just a little bit step slow, or we played just a little bit tight. So I don't really prescribe to that. Um, I think obviously if they were lackadaisical, you would be able to tell by an intensity standpoint if people were just kind of moping around. But you won't see any of that on either team Saturday. I promise you, this is a big one, and um, you know, we'll, we'll see who we'll see who wins. I hope I mean, thirty-four points is a pretty pretty big spread. I don't yeah. I don't like seeing that kind of stuff in a rivalry game, but. Well, I tell you what, Las Vegas is into making money, and they don't really care who wins. They want equal money on both sides. That's it. And most of the time, they're pretty close to pretty close to where the margins wind up. You know, you were on teams that won games we'll be talking about forever, big wins over Tennessee, beating LSU and Baton Rouge, the the awesome games you guys played against uh, beating Florida, Atlanta, and taking out Texas and Pasadena. But you got to beat Auburn to make it a perfect season, don't you? You, you have to. And I'll tell you the difference. I'll I tell you the difference between Alabama and Auburn. Uh, Auburn measures themselves 
by beating us. We measure ourselves by beating everybody. And that's the difference. You know, yes, this is a big game. This is a really big game for us. But thing is, this game we're playing to beat Auburn, not only to beat you because we know we're better than you are and we got to show you again, but we're beating you because we got to go have a date in Atlanta and then we got something else to play for after that. And there's the difference. I tell you what, I was just going to ask you if Coach Saban said, Baron, I want you to talk to the team before they go out for kickoff. Well, don't ask me to tell you what we were going to do because, like you said, this was a family show. I would, I, we'd have to be bleeping out a couple words here and there. <laughs> oh, man, that is this has been too much fun, and we're just about out of time. It's gone by so fast. I wish we had more time, but I really appreciate you coming by, man. It's always so much fun, and uh, uh, we're going to be calling you again, okay? I appreciate it, guys. Anytime you can talk uh, the gospel that is Alabama football, it's, it's always a good day. Got my hands in the air. Hey, before we get out of it, you know, one of the most important parts about winning a game is having a winning game plan. And let's face it, most of us don't like the look of our retirement playbook. So if you need to know more about building a better financial future, go to annuitiesalabama.com today. Check out the bullet points on that webpage, and you'll see they can help you take advantage of safe strategies that will get you across that retirement goal line. The game clock's running, folks. So go with a quick snap and call a play today. That's annuitiesalabama.com. Hey, we want to remind you that Bama Talk is just one of several shows on the menu at BigBrainsMedia.com. If weather's your thing, remember, we got the guy with the suspenders, James Spann, the hardest working man in snow business. Our women's show, Eavesdrops, going gangbusters. And for our sports buds that like orange and blue, there'll be some good news for you too real soon, so be sure and stay tuned. Uh, Don't forget to check out our Bama Talk Facebook page where you can chime in with feedback, posts, and comments if you want to. Uh, If you'd like to contact me with ideas or suggestions or maybe even the location of a cheap liposuction clinic, my address is steve at bamatalkshow.com. Well, it's about time to head for the locker room, and we hope you enjoyed this Iron Bowl edition of Bama Talk Show half as much as we did, and we hope you'll tell your friends about us. Till next time, take care, have a blessed day, and roll tide.